Hey folks, welcome to My Metal Midlife Crisis, the podcast in which a tubby and sober middle-aged man revisits the metal of his youth and the metal he missed out on. Before I talk about The Skull and the first album, I just want to remind you to email me with your comments, suggestions, feedback, what have you, to metalmidlifecrisis at gmail.com. There's no my on it, just metalmidlifecrisis at gmail.com. If you send an email, let me know what city you live in. Love to know who's listening. I'll read all the emails I get from Season 1 at the opening of Season 2. Rate and review the show on iTunes if you have that capacity. And please share an episode you like with friends. Word of mouth is a great way to get the show out there. Alright, thanks folks. On the the skull! Alright, good people. I am back. Or what I am sure will be the last, or I should say, 10th episode of season one. It's the last one I'm recording. I've got the others all set up, so I'm pretty sure this will be episode 10. <clears throat> What's happened since the last time I recorded a podcast, which wasn't very long ago, but a couple of things. My wife and I went to go see um, Kiss perform in Oakland at the Oracle Arena. It used to be the Oakland um, Arena, Oakland Coliseum. And, um, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that here. Uh, it's really, uh, uh, this, this episode's dedicated to the skull. Um, but I, I, I and I, and by the way, it's the old conversation is kiss metal. The answer is no technically, but at moments, maybe attitude, man, I'd like to talk about some of that stuff, including a surprise for us, Mr. David Lee Roth opening up. Oh, this doesn't sound very metal, I guess, but Jesus, what an interesting experience being our age and going to see Kiss for the first time in decades. Um, very, very fucking interesting. Um, so there's that. And then there's this as I record this and I'm set tomorrow to, after some mixing, hopefully, of this episode, set to release all of season one. Um, we, uh, we're at the beginning of this um, so-called pandemic, the, um, the coronavirus um, which will, uh, one of two things I imagine at least will happen. Um, either you'll listen to this maybe years from now, maybe two years from now, you'll stumble upon this episode and you'll be like, Oh, right. The coronavirus. Everyone was washing their hands like crazy and buying up toilet paper. Or maybe you're listening to this like red Dawn style. The civilization has collapsed and you're listening to my metal midlife crisis on some weird device that's picking up a broadcast from a secret station in Colorado or something. I don't know. Look, it's gallows humor. I don't mean to make light of it. It is fairly serious. If something happened to you or your family, I'm, I'm sure it's not funny at all. And uh, I'm not really funny anyway, but um, it's a weird day. I guess that's what I'm saying. And so I'm just going ahead. I'm, I'm recording this last um, episode of season one and moving forward with The Skull and their debut album for those which are asleep. Now, I have to tell you, there's something about the grammar there that sticks in my craw, but maybe it's a weird and cool thing. Like, it should be for those who are asleep, or maybe you could say for those that are asleep. I mean, there's a case for that, I suppose, but those for those which are asleep, what a weird way to put it. And I'm going to assume it wasn't a grammatical mistake. It was something they're after, some way to put you on edge there. And that's one thing I like about the skull. The skull is, you want to say the skulls, by the way. There was a band called the skulls that was sort of like, 80s hair metal. Um, my, a buddy of mine saw him at the Whiskey A Go Go back in like the late 80s. But this is a the skull, and they're anything but hair metal. I mean, I don't think unless I'm misdefining, misdefining 
hair metal, but, um, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, the skull is like, um, probably this debut album from them from 2014 is, is the newest debut album I'm handling in, in season one, which is all about debut albums. On the other hand, in some ways, they themselves are, are an old band of the members. You know, there's a whole story there and, and they hearken to a type of music that's very old, but also very new. And here's where being out of it, man, it's really interesting to come back for this whole, you know, metal midlife crisis approach. And it's like, well, here's what I mean. You know, of course, when I was younger, it's Sabbath, 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 Sabbath. Sabbath was, if not everything to me, I mean, it was probably made with everything to me, but but Sabbath was, uh, you know, was foundational. It was, you know, it's where all the it all germinated from. And oh God, they had that that real classic tone. You know, it's like there were people who it was like this sort of Black Sabbath, uh, Deep Purple divide, I guess. And man, who doesn't love Richie Blackmore? And Deep Purple's awesome, of course. But Sabbath, I mean, come on, the tone that they said, you know, and 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 I, I, I everyone, you know, sort of gravitates toward Ozzy, I, I guess, because. Or a lot of people do because it's then it becomes like a, the same sort of Van Halen Van Hagar conversation. Well, Ozzy, and then there's Dio, whose Dio is amazing, but is it really Ozzy? And then Ian Gillian to follow, and and all that stuff. But in a way, Sabbath to me, like really, when it comes down to it, it's at more than fifty percent is Iommi and the sort of like deep dark riffs that he created. And then and then let's not discount Geezer Butler. Hey, but what am I doing? It's not a Sabbath episode. It's really about. Okay, Sabbath, we might say, is not only the original metal band, arguably, but maybe like the original doom metal band, which is not even a like a genre or a label I was that familiar with until I started to reinvestigate here. And, and you know, there's like, okay, there's doom metal. All right, there's that. And then there's um, there's like sludge. And, and uh, I want to talk to JJ Ansami uh, next, um, I was going to say semester next next season because he's a guy who could really sort of enlighten me on, on that whole um, uh, progression of, of, of that you know style of music that germinated from Black Sabbath right he's, he's got this new uh, this new book out that's all about you know really the deeper darker stuff and uh, I read his first book heavy uh, a memoir about um, Wyoming BMX drugs and heavy fucking music which was you know centered heavily on like his love of Black Sabbath etc Pantera. Um, but he can talk about sludge more than I can. I, I saw a band um, open up here, open for cattle decapitation um, in my beloved hometown of Fresno at Strummers, which is a great venue in Fresno. Check it out if you're you live here, if you're passing through. But um, this band, and I, I don't even remember the name, which is good. My job is not to besmirch the name of bands that don't turn me on. Hey, man, it's going to turn somebody on. But I, I, I felt like weirdly like in a time trap of agedness because I went to see Cattle Decapitation. Um, I, uh, I, I saw a, a one-man band called Author, Punisher who ended up opening for Tool the next month at, at the arena um, who I, I'd love to do some sort of maybe mini episode on on uh, Author, Punisher. I was really surprised by that. Cattle Decapitation. De- <laughs> Let me start that over. Cattle Decapitation is um, obviously a, a great band, or at least um, one that, that's earned a lot of respect. But this band, whose name I can't remember, it was like kind of like sludge, doom, metal. And it was, um, 
it was just like a great drummer, like driving it and then like a bassist and, and guitarist and lead singer. And it was literally, I mean, this is where I sound old or I guess how my parents sounded to me, but like, it sounded like he was just saying like, and it wasn't like deep and dark. It just felt like, dude, put a little effort into it somehow. That's what I mean. It's sort of like I feel like an old person, but I'm talking about music that itself is like kind of before I was born, you know, like 1969, 1970s roots anyway. But I don't know enough about it. And then and then there's like um, there's a band. There's like stoner, stoner metal, which like I don't know the distinction really, because I don't know. Fucking Sabbath to me was fucking stony music. That's for goddamn sure. And and um but, but I mean, you know, as, as marijuana has gotten uh, more potent and more exact, I guess, you know, stoner versions of doom-ish metal have also gotten more precise. There's a great band I, I discovered. I just discovered this band. Some people are probably going to laugh at this called Sleep. And uh, I think they're fucking fat. Let me play you just a clip of Sleep. I, I'll get to the skull in just a minute here. But, but Sleep to me is a band that, oh, fuck, I mean... They're all about, you know, dark Sabbath and, you know, inspired metal, but clearly to sort of space out to you. Here's, here's a little bit of uh, marijuana theme from Sleep. Ah, crunch away. Drudge and crunch. Doom and stone. And that song gets gets um, better and better, I think. But I don't want to. The only reason I'm not going to get too far into it is because I'm, I'm taking away time from from the skull and for those which are asleep and my discussion of their album. But but um, anyway, so there's there's that, and and then there's um, so you know let's talk about the the skull for a minute here. And that this is a band that was um, uh, formed out of, out of another um, labeled doom metal band, um, and and. It was formed by three of the former members of that band Trouble, and it's Eric Wagner, who is, um, you know, even today, I mean, even as he's older today, he kind of um, looks a bit like, um, <laughs> like a, well, I was going to say overweight Robert Plant, but I guess that just means he looks like Robert Plant. Um, great, doomy voice, just exudes a, um, a very calm, doomy, but likable personality. Um, Ron Holzner on bass. Um, and Jeff Olson, who's no longer with the band, but he, he came over from trouble on drums and, and so the guitar and then, and then they got two guitars, um, for the skull. That's the history of the band as I know it. And I saw, um, uh, the skull never having heard of them when I went with my buddy again to strummers this time to see corrosion of conformity, which I mean, what if, uh, you know, that's a band I had never seen COC before, ridiculous uh that i had waited that long but kind of cool that i got to saw see them in a club because a lot of my other opportunities were opening for big bands and it's like nah you want coc to do like a, their own full full thing but this is again not about coc i saw the skull there with um with another band uh, i think out of portland called witch mountain and the skull was just um man i just remember um being captivated by them and, and seeing that like the small grouping, I mean, maybe there were 80 people by the stage at, at that point when they came on, not, not a big show, not a big crowd, 
But those who were there, you got the feeling some of them were there as much for the skull as they were for uh, corrosion of conformity. Um, I have an old clip of Trouble, the original band from um, a, um, a Chicago like cable TV show, maybe cable access show, performing as Trouble. And uh, I wish this time there were a video um, component to the show because you can see a young, like thin, wiry Eric Wagner here. And of course, you know, hey, look, the sound on this show is never that good. I'm no technician. So it often sounds exactly like what it is. A guy with his podcasting equipment um, who doesn't know what he's doing in terms of, uh, you know, producing um, good sounds, uh, talking into a microphone and then just sort of blasting some music as if he's listening, you know, with a cup of coffee, waiting for the coronavirus to come, listening to metal. Um, but this is even more low grade what, what you're about to hear. So just sort of strain your ears and and uh, imagine a young, thin, vibrant 1982 uh, Eric Eric Wagner in um, in trouble on this uh, this cable TV show. It's like, you know, um, I mean, we can go back to talking about Doom and, and, and what, the, what the qualities are of Doom, what the components are of Doom. Um, that doesn't sound very Doomish to me necessarily. But then again, I mean, if you go back to Sabbath, a son of its kind of, um, you know, drudging and droning and, and mesmerizing and almost meditatively dark riffing. And then you have like a, my favorite Sabbath song of all time is um, uh, Symptom of the Universe. So... What exactly, um, you know, constitutes the stuff we call doom, but you know, um, it, it does not exclude the sort of blistering vocal or blistering guitar attack, and so that's an important um, thing uh, to mention. Um, to get a little history, I, I guess, uh, of metal in general, but but doom, um, we can go back to to Sabbath's Sabbath, um, and here's um, of course the, the 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 title track, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, just to get a sense of like you know what it's like when it's churning and when it's um, dark and deep, man. Here they are. You remember the first album starts with some some rain, a little bit of a bell, Black Sabbath. And my bad DJing there, despite my stupid DJ voice, Black Sabbath, because uh, I let too much of that rainy intro get in there. But, you know, I, I it, it, 
it, it goes back to this other question. You know, one of the things that comes around is like, okay, what is metal? Fuck, dude, you're on episode 10, the last episode of your first season. You're still throwing that rhetorical gem out there. What is metal? But like, what is it exactly? Because I think doom metal really brings that question um, about. And, and the reason I'm thinking it is like, I'm thinking of someone like Soundgarden. Soundgarden to me is not metal. But I don't know why Black Hole Sun, for instance, isn't kind of a doom metal song. I don't know what the, what the quality is. You know, I'm ha- I was having this argument recently with a friend of mine about well, like what makes a noir movie. And it's like, yeah, how do you define noir? Because we were talking about a movie and, and he was saying, ah, oh, it's clearly noir. And I was saying, like, I don't know why it is. And, and he was saying, well, there's a there's a, a guy who's betrayed by a woman he's in love with. And I was saying, fuck, that's a lot of movies that aren't noir. And, you know. I knew where he was coming from. He might be right that it was a noir movie, but it's like, how do we go about defining these things? And and I guess maybe a second question is, how fucking important is it anyway? Maybe we should just listen to a little bit of the skull and try to figure out what they're about. So this album from 2014, for those which are asleep, starts with Trapped Inside My Mind. And it's like a, a classic um, doom intro, um, kind of uh, trudging. coming from on that i mean it's like classic it's to some extent you know paying homage to the whole sabbath you know intro there and it's like uh yeah fucking deep dark you know it's gonna go somewhere right and it goes it 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 really teases us for a while before two things happen we get like this um change the way iomi would was sort of change from a sort of um a, a trudging um guitar riff and with with with, with geezer butler driving it forward with a classic almost like jazz stance style doom, 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 to um to something that's like a little more um crunchy and riffy and i would say like ozzy and not that i'm saying eric wagner is better than ozzy but i mean i would say to a greater degree than we got in those early sabbath albums we see um, Wagner come in and assert his like vocals as like a tonal contribution. Like he's not going to be outdistanced. Well, I guess the same way that Ozzy and, and Iommi had that kind con- like dichotomy um, relationship, that dynamic. Right, one's not going to be outdistanced by the other. <laughs> kind of a switch up and the, and the chorus comes in it's it's the first time i feel they that they and, and and maybe eric specifically is adding to the expectation of doom or something like that it's it's almost got a uh got a, almost like a, a pop move i mean far be it for me to call this pop but it's going to bring you back down to like a relaxation point i guess maybe that's the first thing i have to say about doom is like because it's trudging and because it's you know it's about sort of a mesmerizing and meditative dark mood. 
they're also kind of challenging themselves to like, how do I like kind of trick the listener out of that move for a second and bring them back in. So this chorus, you know, in some ways I wish trapped inside my mind was not the first album on this, um, I'm first song on this album. And I can talk about that more a little bit later. I like the song, but it makes a more expected move immediately. And it, for better or worse, and, and, and maybe it's a compliment, actually, the chorus does that. So that's a bit a bit expected, but I don't think they're a band that rests on its sort of doom laurels. And I, I guess that's what I was saying about that other band I, I saw open for Cattle Decapitation. It sort of felt like stencil in doom quality here. And it's like, man, I don't think this band does that. And it's easiest to give the lead singer the credit for that. This is one of those bands. It's like kind of like the Huntress episode. Also a bit like the Accept episode where it's like, well, you default to the lead singer here. Um, and I'm going to do that no matter how hard I try not to, I guess, in this episode. But but I, I do want to give him credit for doing that. Something interesting happens here. And it's that there's a sort of like um, something, there's a chorus and then listen for it to sort of lead us into like this really creepy, I guess, bridge, this different creepy transition. But first the chorus. <laughs> about to come up and it's like okay there's another switch another layer here and and the other layer that's added is okay requisite heavy metal guitar solo but it's like this one kind of like symptom of the universe or, or, or maybe some of those later albums like never say die um you know what man i should stop doing the constant black sabbath um comparison here sorry it's just the anchor that i bring to the table when i look at the skull but I will say this, unexpectedly, like the speed and dexterity of the solo is like, oh, okay, that's got a kind of a more modern sensibility while paying homage to the earlier sense. And here it goes. Yeah, so it's like that's um okay. Is it my favorite song on the album? No, but it's um and I don't think it should have been the opener, but it is a pretty fucking good song, and it does show, if nothing else, the kind of um to me unexpected uh diversity 
that you're, you know, you might come to expect in, a, in an album or like a, a genre like this. All right. Next on the album, we have a touch of reality. Um, I'm going to say, actually, let me do this. Let me play the intro first and give you my comment. Maybe it'll be a bit different from yours. This is uh, the touch of reality. to say it i'm gonna say look you're following a classic project a trajectory of of um you know the 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 dark art metal right doom metal um but that is in danger of becoming a little boring now hold on the skull fans or if you've liked what you just heard because i have additional commentary here i actually think that wagner comes in and puts a little bit of twist on you know who else did this on his music was udu from one of the previous episodes maybe even the one before this depends on how i lay all these out um he did it for accept <coughs> excuse me um and I, I think that that Wagner does that too. Like he puts a little bit of an unexpected twist and it's the smallest little change in direction. And here it is. I mean, he's putting his stamp on it. And I think that this band is... Um, I don't know. When I saw him, I don't know if I mentioned this already, um, he also was smoking copious amounts of marijuana um, given to him by members of the crowd. And But it's like, that's not surprising because there's something about him, and it comes through on the album, it especially comes through live, that he is extremely um, likable. A, a very likable person. And there's a whole... Um, set of stories around him that I couldn't quite, I read some interviews, I couldn't quite get it. And it's like, I think to get it, it's like the way I am with Maiden. It's like, if you were reading the articles and a fan for years, you get it versus like reading some articles later on to try to get it. And that's this, like there was this whole thing put on um, him and some of the music he was involved in. And it was like um, white metal. And it was going to be like, okay, here's how I, I understand it. That white metal, he, he rejects it first of all. He says that Metal Blade, like the production company, put that sort of label on him and it was like trying to market something. And it was this. And it's that he is um, he plays a black metal style and that style is associated, of course, with like Black Sabbath and all of its, you know, satanic theatrical showmanship. And he takes the texture of that. But he actually um, he himself is like a spiritual person. And he, he makes a classic distinction between like religion and belief. But he has a sense of like this connection to a, like a higher power. But he was but he also like an in interview after interview when that's brought up. He's like, first of all, white metal was not my thing. And I'm not like Striper, you know, hey, good for them. But I'm not going to throw up Bibles 
or like try to tell people how to live. I just have this sort of spiritual center and, um, you know, maybe it's more specifically a Christian center. I couldn't quite unearth that. Um, and, but it's in the context of, of the metal. And it's like, if I had not read in the context of like the Sabbathy type doom metal, had I not read that, I would never have guessed that nothing about that would have come through. And I mean, maybe I wasn't reading the lyrics close enough, but in a way that's what I like. Like he's got this belief and it's probably what makes him a charming motherfucker to quote, um, Samuel Jackson from Pulp Fiction. Um, but it, it, you know, he's not overbearing. He's just likable. He's just a likable front man. And he's got this, you know, this tonality, this, this way of a sort of like going in a, a direction you did not expect him to go. And I would say the same thing with the way that he, well, he, he asserts himself and weaves himself in and out with the other musicians, but they also are up for, um, some surprises I would say. And so in touch of reality, this, this guitar solo that's coming up, um, and I'll, I'll sort of indicate where it really gets kind of frenetic and interesting. Um, but with so few notes, it begins to sort of assert itself as a, as a really kind of interesting melodic piece and then gets frenetic. So here goes. <laughs> that is wild live it's so textured uh the temptation i guess for a lot of bands you know it would be for me if i'm playing doom metals to rely super heavily on the wah-wah pedal and of course that's in there but oh man i I think it's also um it's really really well done anyway um so i i like that song again um I, i don't know if that should be the first song either so um there's a good progression here uh, the next song is called Sick of It All. And um, there's a little, like, um, I don't know how I would phrase it. You know, it reminded me, again, of the Sabbath. In terms of, of that initial phrasing, this next song that he gives, that I'm talking about uh, Wagner, that he gives it, this, this dark sort of, like, thing that reminds you of Sabbath, like, uh, oh, no, please, God, help me. That's a terrible uh, Sabbath, I, I apologize, but um, I'm going to just sort of skip the intro and, and get into where Wagner, Wagner, I'm saying Wagner, Wagner um, makes it kind of, um, I don't know, creepy in his beautiful way. This is um, yeah, the beginning-ish uh, of Sick of It All. Strange 
Okay, so it's like, I think this is a band where um, I didn't do enough lyrical deep diving. And, and my episode with Curtis Messer really um, taught me that that's something I need to do more of. But I'm going to do it here with Sick of It All. You know, I once wrote a song for you. I think it was the one about the sun. I find it strange. You never knew. We are here just to love everyone. Sunshine on the windowpane as I lie waiting on you all. And the hours they go by, no one there to see me cry. Maybe I'm just sick of it all. And this is a song that took me a few times. At first, I thought, hmm, we're headed toward that sort of classic move in a, in a metal album where it's like, mm, you know, somewhere in the middle of like what we used to call side one, it's going to get a little, uh, I don't know, a little sickly sweet or like overdramatic or, or something like that. But those lyrics, I think, are really fucking heavy and and he's a, a good deliverer, I, I w if you will, of, of heavy lyrics. Um, we get this second layer um, later on in the song, and it's like there's a time change and heavy riffing and then a solo. And, and I, think, um, I think Doom is kind of burdened with this task, like how to be dark and, and, and sledging, but also like create these dynamics. And, and this song does it really well around this part of the song. <laughs> like almost kind of like 1970s music vibe where everything was groovy even the metal got a little groovy at times um ending <laughs> <laughs> and that's not me i didn't turn it up there at the end that's that's them like doing that you hear that in some of those old like 70s hard rock and and metal albums where there's almost like the producers like let me turn it up a little bit on your folks to to guide you out of this this song 
anyway, I thought that was um, a song that I, I had mixed feelings about first couple of times I heard it, and um, it grew on me. I started to love that song. Uh, the next song is is the first one I really, really love of, of the whole album, Out of the Gate. And I like the other ones fairly quickly. Three, uh, Sick of It All, took me a little bit of time. Uh, the Door is the next album. and I mean, sorry, the next song on the album. And uh, I read some sort of like um, review, and I'm talking about the level of review you see online where it's like, you know, metal blabber, you know, whatever. It's like somebody just weighing in. But this guy was such a heartfelt interview from a guy who was saying, you know, he'd loved trouble growing up and now he was a businessman and, you know, he didn't have enough time for metal. But he when this album came out, he bought it and he waited to to listen to it till he was driving home. And he was really like, yes, fuck, yeah, trouble. Now the skull and um, by the time he pulled into his driveway, the door, uh, this song, which I'm about to talk about, just started playing. And it was like, oh, it was the song that really made him feel at home with metal again. And so is this executive or something where it was like, oh, yeah, I'm back into metal. Anyway, so I agree. The door um, starts with a classic sort of the skull, creepy um creepy vibe and, and a feeling on this one more than the others that this one's going to go deep and some interesting lyrics um and then um eric comes in with um instead of doing the thing where it's like i'm gonna pull it out he, he gives us the song a little more trust he's like you know what i'm gonna plod along with you for a little while so like for the first 15 seconds you get this intro and then and then for you know another little while you get eric sort of you know adding to the the layered um, plotting, if you will. So this one's called The Door. Here's the beginning. than you know i mean great lyrics uh you know i've often wondered who would save me for myself but then we get this nice little uh, like twist the way you can twist a knife into you but it's like you love the twisting for it you know it's this deep twist and a, a turn on the not the mood entirely but well here it goes <laughs> I have no peace, only answers. 
inward lie the answer is just pay attention it's like you know apropos of my previous comment about the white metal and his just being like hey cool it it's more about my spiritual quest i might be putting too much onto this but it seems like that speaks to his sense of like i don't know christianity or spirituality or his connection to the the you know somehow weirdly and ironically connecting it to like the deeper like well not deeper that's not ironic but like the doomish sort of like a, a, a previously like associated to like the satanic theatrical point of view. So I don't know. I, I just think that he's such an interesting person, and and sometimes it's not about the ability. It's about the um, it's about your ability to weave something in in an interesting fashion. I mean, going back to Ozzy, it's like he's one. Ozzy is one of those people I cite. It's like a great singer. No. But a very interest. I mean, he's competent, but he's an interesting singer, and in some ways, that's that's as important as like being having the 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 four octave range or whatever it is. You know, you get someone like Jill Janis, and that's like way back somewhere on the the Huntress episode. Um, she has both, right? I, I think that's that's what makes her her demise so tragic. But but in any case, um, there's a. a, a a slow after he says that again the whole i have no peace only questions inward lie the answers just pay attention he says that later on in the song and there's a slow guitar melody that's almost like a a meditation um it, itself <laughs> sweet oh my god they just i I mean look i i can't imagine there's any band that writes long enough together i mean these half of these guys have been around since the late 70s with the band trouble um and so yeah i'm sure they've been trouble to each other i'm sure there's been strained relationships and artistic differences but you can just tell you can just fucking tell when a band has there are individuals who clearly sort of work together, and uh, it, it's difficult for me to imagine this being a band. You know, you hear those stories like, I mean, apparently The Who quotes around that. I saw The Who like four years ago in front of 70,000 people. They were fucking great. And, you know, The Who has air quotes now because I think you could definitely still say it was the who after Keith moon died and John Entwistle was still in there, but with only Roger Daltrey and Peter Townsend, I guess, I guess it's still the who, but I mean, the stories I've heard about the who is they go on stage and they exit separate sides of the stage. They have separate dressing rooms and do not want to fucking talk to each other. That's well, that might be bullshit. I've heard that story about a lot of bands, but you know, I guess it happens. You wear at each other, but it's hard to imagine when you hear music like this because it's like, oh, what a fucking family. The music says we're family. Anyway, uh, track five. We're headed toward with this one, like at the midway uh, point in the album. And track five is uh, Send Judas Down. I always want to say Send Your Judas Down. And, you know, the more I read about about um, uh, Eric Wagner's um 
kind of spiritual side, the more I want to insert too much. And it's actually this time I just want to let the music do the talking. You know, it it opens up with this. Um, it's got all this layering. It's like pure metal power chord, and then and then this sort of sweet opening. That's you know, it's so much more aggressive than the other songs. I'm going to tell you this. I think think this is my it's a tie maybe but it might be my favorite song on the album and part of me is like hey is that just because i'm comping out like all right now this is the rock i or the metal i grew up on in the 80s you know like slightly more hook driven and a little more aggressive um i don't know maybe but it's it comes in two parts and it's like the layering within 30 seconds in this opening i think it's pretty fucking magical I love that opening. Oh, it's so full of fucking energy without being stupid. You know what I mean? There's energetic music. I know people who love, oh, that song has so much energy. I'm talking about mostly non-metal people here, but that song has so much energy. And it's like, yeah, but it's also stupid. And this is not stupid and <laughs> lots of energy. Um, and then and then it transitions into a kind of almost like a stripped down, what I like to call like the, the chunky riffing stripped down. Well, here it goes. <laughs> and great lyrics in the song coming up i mean i think that um well uh, let's go over the lyrics afterwards it's such a long time Okay, first of all, been such a long time since I told you how I feel. All I ever think about, if heaven is for real. <laughs> Fuck, yeah. Man, I'm teaching um, uh, a, a class, uh, a critical thinking class to students, and, and we were just going over this this whole sort of issue of, like, um, if there is a creator, you know, um, is the creator benevolent or malevolent, and, like, you know, gather evidence and, and look for logical fallacies and like, hey, man, I, I, I never try to like tell students what to think or even to reveal what I think, um, but rather like just note that people are thinking things and that they offer evidence and views and, and narratives around their evidence. And like, what do you think of them? How would you judge these? How do you you know, who's making a better case? And, um, I, you know, what what comes out of it is students who are engaged and a lot of them are um in the process, they get to some of those basic questions. And, you know, maybe because I'm older, I always fear that like younger generations aren't going to get to those like deep moments of inquiry. Like, well, if there is a God, how come there's suffering, you know, or how come my girlfriend broke up with me or any of those things. And it's like, Hey, answer it however you want. As long as you're asking the question. And man, I love that. There's this, this sort of track on, on the skull album where this guy who, you know, even if I hadn't read about his own sort of like spiritual quest and journey, there's a lyricist asking, you know, questions you might ask if you read 
like early Nietzsche writings in a, a freshman philosophy class or something. I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just being naive myself, but I really liked where this was going. And, and then um, that whole, that whole uh, I don't know. Anyway, God, if you can hear me, send your Judas down. <laughs> So that's it's this, it, the the questions being asked, and then there's more. There's this exploration of like more about the question coming up. I, I'm focusing a lot on the lyrics here, although the music I think is fucking a great like, even where it's it's sort of being um, more consistent and not trying to be as dynamic. In a way, it, it's it's creating this like platform to ask these brilliant these brilliant questions, and and so there's this exploration about you know beyond that. It's about it's about how come there's evil, you know. Everyone seems to like it there. No one comes back home. The only thing I really know is that I'm so alone. There's a nice, weird sort of like, um, I, I'm overusing the word, so I apologize, but but meditative guitar solo coming up here. And it's like, okay, let's, we've given you some deep and heavy and dark questions here, listener. I'll give you a little bit of like a meditative, dark, IOMI-esque guitar solo to, to sort of um, give you some time. I'll give you the Jeopardy time. <laughs> sort of the capacity of a band just that because that's not you know if you were to play only that clip to someone they might not identify it as metal and it's like whatever it is it's it's maybe got like a an early 70s like uriah heap vibe to it or something like that i don't know but then it comes back 
and and it's like the crunch comes back. I I I, I um I got into the next clip there a little bit, but the crunch comes back and 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 he comes back and and there's like a dirty sound to the end of it. So it's like let me ask these philosophical questions. Um, deep, deep lyrics. Let me get into a weird guitar space. Like you're doing a little like yoga for the mind, for the, 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 the psyche. And then I'm going to come back with like the dirt of, um, of dark doomy metal. To follow him his lovers do. And all that will remain is to thyself be true. Everyone seems to like it there No one comes back home The only thing I really know Is I'm so alone You're not alone, The Skull. You're not alone. I'm with you, man. I dig this band. And I feel... Well, you know what? I discovered this band probably the best way, which is like expecting to going there to see someone else. And then digging the, the, the band you knew nothing about. I've had those, that experience a number of times inside and outside of metal. So um, I'm not regretful that I, I didn't go in knowing about them. But now that I do, I can't wait for them to swing by again. And I will tell everyone I know. I'll get a party of 20 people to go, even if we're the only 20 people there. Not that we would be to see the skull because I think they are fucking badass. Um, great. I'm going to do one more song before I take a quick break. I got to pee. Um, and that's, uh, the sixth song in the album. And that is a new generation. All right. What, what can I say about this song first? There's an opening riff that signals. I think something about the song. I'm going to say it's, I think my least favorite song on the album, which is a bummer after the door and send Judas down that the opening riff to me signals that this is going to be not a mainstream song, but a song that is appealing to a greater mainstream mentality. I don't know that the skull really has management that like, let's get a hit single out there. I mean, that might be sort of cliche movie stuff for all I know, but if that were true, this is the song that I would choose to exemplify it. Um, and again, I'm, I'm kind of downing it. There are good moments. I want to talk about this too, but see if you know what I'm talking about, or you can hear it in that this opening, a kind of a mainstream appeal. <laughs> It's sort of like, um, you know, I don't know. This is too harsh, but I'm going to go for it. This is almost like a music generator that 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 generated that riff for us. Um, and he comes in next and, and he does a little, he does the song a favor by making some sort of interesting phrasing happening. Um, and I'll talk about why ultimately it, it kind of sinks back into its own sugar as, as it were. But, but here's the attempt to kind of make it, mm, I don't know, you tell me. Before. They all seem so kind. When I woke this morning, my access 
might be that line too right there. When I woke up this morning, my access had been denied. I don't know that. And, and um, I'm about to blow your mind. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted it. Okay. All right. He's doing something. I mean, look, I'm making fun of those lyrics as if I could write better lyrics. I don't know. Um, he's doing something to kind of make it different. And it's the usual attempt at layering that it has been very successful in this album, I think. But in a way, and again, I'm going to use this. Oh, how dare I use this word twice for the skull of all fucking bands. My God. But I'm going to say it. There's a little bit of a pop move here. I mean, there's that sort of like Catholic move on the end, deliver us from evil and not into temptation. I appreciate the move. And there's an interesting solo that comes up in just a second here that I think, you know, there's a, a little bit of a life raft going on. I dig it. I dig that something's happening, but then this. I mean, I'm sort of cutting it off mid lyrical attempt there, but it just, to me, this song is, you know, two minutes. 29 seconds into the a little bit of over a four minute song and i just think it's like you've kind of lost me on this one guys now look the compliment is this it's song number six for five songs you had me and that is difficult in an album especially an album just not enough people have heard of but in the end even further down in the track it just sort of falls into the same place <laughs> No doubt talented, but it feels too late when it finally gets going to save it. I don't know, like this is a, a little bit of a too little too late scenario. the attempt it goes on for about 20 more seconds the attempt to sort of wind out with the big sort of like leonard skinner big cacophonous ending there but um anyway all right i don't want to focus it's a bad place to break too because i don't want to focus or or end before break on a, on a song that i didn't like as much but i didn't like that song as much all right folks i'll be back in just a minute or seconds for you and uh, we'll continue with the rest of the album <laughs> I'm back. 
talking about The Skull and their debut album for those which are asleep. Um, all right, so we left off with A New Generation, and now we're on the track seven with Till the Sun Turns Black. Um, you know, what's interesting about this song is I feel like it's so, like, clearly does its job being doom metal that I don't have as much to say about this. Um, the introduction has maybe one of the catchiest sort of intros there in terms of initial lyrics. Um, well, listen up. what you say when you talk to yourself heard them say you're in and of oneself you know okay we're gonna be a mysterious metal band but it's catchy um i like what it does it feels um well placed in the album it just kind of um i guess if anything it just kind of suffers from being exactly what it needs to be um the chorus is um really simple but really good I mean, that's pretty straightforward, I guess. Who hasn't said something like this? Is it a love song? All I ever wanted was to love you back till the t- till the sun turns black. A pretty simple request. <laughs> Yes. Is this a skull doing a, a, a bit of a love song? I guess so, but of course it's going to be in the context of something dark, something um, something doomish, the sun turning black. All right, all right. There's um, a bit of a lazy solo in this song. Um, it's enjoyable. Lazy. Who am I to talk about lazy? But, you know, I, I thought they did better um, in other parts of the album. Here goes. <laughs>
what do I give them credit for? It's a little longer than some of the solos. Um, they try to keep it simple the way um, bands I can admire trying to keep a solo simple and straightforward um, do. I appreciate that. But ultimately, I don't think that was super inspiring. And so it's a job that's... Um, it, you know, it's apt. It does what it needs to do, but I'm not super impressed with the song. Um, holds the fort down. I like it as far as that goes. And it does, until that, to that extent, you know, um, I guess it's disappointing coming out of A New Generation, which I felt was a little bit of a slide down from Send Judas Down. But holy shit, are they ramping up for the um, the next song, which is, which is track eight. And that's the title track. For those which are asleep, and oh man, I like this song. This or Send Judas Down, I can't decide which is my favorite song, but this one, from the beginning, you know two things about this song. It's going to be epic, and it's going to be creepy, but creepy like, not just, I've said that a lot about this, because you know, doom, metal, etc., but creepy in the way that like... um, music that's like slightly doesn't fit and that makes it creepier like a, a horror movie like um uh, like the strangers the one with the, the pillowcases over the head and they they knock on the door and, and out in the country and they answer the door and there's just three people with pillowcases not speaking back to you and it freaks you out or like the way like in a torture movie like saw like someone's gonna take their time with you, and that's what that's what the skull is promising with this this open. Like we're gonna take our time with our creepiness here. I'll give a little listen to the intro here. And seem to recall. The day it all began Life and times Of a troubled young man From the depths Of good and ill Mystery which Finds me still Okay, now, great fucking, like, okay, where are they going with this? It's got that sort of, like, uh, I don't know what to call it. There's something odd about it. It's like, okay, what's coming around the corner? And what's coming around the corner is a fucking epic chorus. And, I mean, when it kicks in and that that bass drum kicks in and and then the guitars and the chorus, and, man, it is... um, You know, don't you think that I won't sleep for those which are asleep? Let us pray your soul to keep for those which are asleep. Here goes. Yeah. 
back into your sort of like creepy offbeat music. I love how they set us up in the song and it's like, it's perfectly placed in the album. It's like, oh, so tempting to put that as like your last song, but it's not the last song. It just basically reminds you like, okay, we're here to, to be dark, to doom it up, baby. It's fucking so good. And then the song has, as some of the best songs on this album, or this maybe maybe this genre, has layering. Well, I don't know. Actually, I shouldn't say that about this genre because if stoner you know, um, uh, metal is close to doom metal and its approach. Um, one thing that's different is stoner metal and some doom metal doesn't have that much layering. It's kind of droning and mesmerizing. And the skull is at times, no question about it, but it also, I don't know, it it does want to like change things up, just not too dramatically or or too much of a, a, like a show off fashion. There's a really cool solo that, that happens later in the song. Um, here it is. you know, um, you know, stranger comes to town, what's going to happen here type of music. The, um, the guitar work throughout is really good because it, it's like they don't overdo it. Um, for the most part, uh, they're melodically like really sound. I want to give a little shout out to the drumming here. Um, I think some great drumming toward the end of this song. <laughs> I knew more about drumming that's why it's good to have a guest um like when i had curtis messer and i hope to have more musicians in sort of you know being able uh david caring did this too clue me in as to like the sounds that like it, it takes like drumming to rise to the surface for me to notice it as much as i do there and um that's my shortcoming sorry about that folks but um i thought that was some great fucking drumming we have next the um the last original song because um that is to say original the skull song um because the the album ends um with track 10 with a a, a cover of one of their own songs but here on track nine we have um, the last, you know, original Skull song, and that's Sometime Yesterday Morning. It does a classic thing um, by opening with a great sort of like tr- uh, chunky riff, which is one of like two modes, I guess, that, um, well, I guess I have to say three now with, with for those which are asleep, but basically two modes, which is like sort of creepy or chunky. And so um, they start off with a great tr- uh, chunky opening. <laughs> Nice 
And then, um, you know, Wagner comes in with some phrasing here. It's dark, but it moves it forward. those lyrics when along came some friends of mine who didn't pass me by and it's like i'm beginning to see i i guess the way and like the poetry works this way too i guess the idea that like lyrics don't have to be separate from like a separate realm from a, a vocalist tonal or, or vocal abilities i'm kind of repeating myself there but like a, a, a vocalist can can write lyrics that like and choose words that allow her or him to create some interesting phrasing. So sometimes the writing precedes their natural ability to phrase. That's how I'm hearing it as a listener. I, I, again, it's all fucking guesswork uh, um, from my point of view. But I like where it goes um, next. It's like, well, do I like where it goes next? Actually, in a, in a way, where it goes next, it's kind of like the new generation thing. Um, it gets a little bit mainstream, but I think I'm more forgiving of, of where it turns later on in the song. I think it's that extra syllable sometimes yesterday morning sorry about my singing voice folks but it's like there's like he he's not afraid like great artists to to like um kind of punch a little extra syllable in there not shoehorn it not the way that steve miller does or or i talked about it with curtis Mether, messer the way that um udo does but like um just to sort of like make it fit in there and it I like what he does. And then there's a guitar solo that I think is actually pretty fucking interesting here. It's almost got like a Brian May quality. If you, um, if anyone knows the song, maybe you can like uh, YouTube it or something called Death on Two Legs. You know, Brian May, to me, he is absolutely one half of Queen sound. I know Freddie Mercury is like considered 80% in Brian May, but I think Brian May's very unique um, guitar like style and tone, especially. Um, is something that uh, a, a lot of players probably learn from. And I'm guessing um, a little bit here. Um, I don't know, but I, I really like what they do with the guitar next. I mean, that is some fucking smoking guitar. Like, there's texture, there's personality in there. I love it. Um, unfortunately, the guitar solo takes a bit of a turn, and 
I hate to make this comparison, but man, if I'm going to be honest, this, the last part of this guitar solo sounds a little bit like Slaughter. If anyone remembers that band, it sounds like it's going to be heavier when you hear the name, but it actually is Mark Slaughter's band. Uh, I think he was originally with Vinnie Vincent Invasion, but um, not as cool. A little bit disappointing. <laughs> like how it goes back into like the business of the song but that last part was a little disappointing and so this song to me in general has a sort of up and down quality um not the strongest finish and again it's not the finish technically because there's another song but the finish of original songs i think for for this album um again there's a thing that happens at the sort of toward the end of the song a kind of like the chorus returns as a a, a a repetition that's kind of catchy but in a way I don't like how, for lack of a better word, how accessible this song is. Does that make me a doom snob? Uh, maybe, but it also means that the skull is teaching me to appreciate doom. And so overall, of course, I'm giving them a huge thumbs up. Um, this album is, uh, I don't know, if I were to like A minus, something like that, mm, eight or nine out of ten. I love this album a lot. But here's that um, kind of accessible uh, part I'm talking about. to judge them harshly i mean they're they're that's a that's like crowd work i guess i guess it's crowd work that's what they're doing and i can appreciate it but um i just didn't think it was a super strong ending now we get into the last um officially last song on the album and that's the last judgment and that's a song that they it's a song from trouble basically you know the core of the band right um they go back to one of their old songs the skull by the way gets its name from i think troubles uh, i'm talking in my ass here second or third album um, so they took their name from that album. There's, you know, there's a lot of sort of like cross-referencing here, and um, and that's cool. Um, the beginning of the song sort of trudges in, I think, pretty traditionally. Um, but I think um, there's a, after that traditional start, there's a, a sort of a, a, a kick into a, a heavy rock riffing here. And so I'm going to start a little bit into the song The Last Judgment, their own cover of themselves. <laughs> Have you ever wondered whatever comes after dying? And then after they pose that philosophical question, there's this sort of strange turn. And then this weird turn, which sounds like, I don't know, falling downstairs, but in a good way. (laughs) 
And in classic Doom style, I mean, I don't even know, by the way, how much the band Trouble was Doom. I mean, it, it wasn't really even a term of like... I don't know, I, I, but but um, in, in a classic sort of style of like Sabbath or something, there's a sort of like um, almost like a, a a lyrical turn toward the audience, like you're you're I'm holding your hand in the dark here, so I have a a a, 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 a bit of advice for you, and it's like don't be afraid, afraid of dying. Life after death can be your reward. It's up to you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's again not the strongest song on the album. There's a lot of meandering that happens um, in in a song that feels a little bit longer than some of the others, even if technically it's not as long as a song like uh, the title track for those which are asleep. And that song, it doesn't feel long enough. God, that's a good song. Um, but after some meandering, um, there's a great um, like last section of the song from like the three minute mark on. Um, and it's where like we have great bass, great melodic guitars, everything sort of coalescing. And, and maybe that's the reason they chose to cover the song is because it, it, it's a way to end the album as a definite unit after a couple of threads have been pulled at. <laughs> end the song and the album um you know i'm a little probably too critical of bands of albums of this album at times but i i can't really recommend it enough for for being like in two worlds it's like it, it's classic metal in some ways and also innovative in others okay well i that's all i have to say about this album um i think because this one is a little shorter and it's the end of the season I want to take um, a couple of minutes out to do something I meant to do in the introduction uh, to the season and did not. And that's talk about a few other podcasts. You know, um, the podcasting world, it's not like um, radio, right? Where there has to be this sort of radio wars for like who gets your attention at one time um, or another. And that's that's one of the things I like about it. It's like we can all sort of share and, and turn each other on to different things that we've discovered. And so I want to talk about like, mm, I think four or five podcasts that I've discovered, some metal podcasts that I think are pretty cool. Um, one's called X, X, sorry, X in Ferris. That's I N F E R I S. And it's two English guys. I think they're English and they talk about metal news 
history. It's probably the most lowbrow of the podcast I'm going to mention. To some degree, it probably will remind you in terms of quality of this podcast. Low quality, guy doesn't really know how to mix the stuff right. You, know, you have to keep writing the volume You know, in terms of turning things up and turning things down. Um, but it has heart, as I hope this you find this podcast has. And so I wanted to turn you on to, um, to, to that for sure. Um, also, I thought I would turn you on to a podcast called Heavy Metal History. And it's like, um, there's a couple of guys who are really like um, uh, well-informed about um, the history of metal. And they take different, different um, time periods and different subjects and sort of break it down. And they do good research. Um, but they're also pretty casual, I would say. Um, you know, and they, they, they go off topic sometimes in the areas that I'm not that into comic books, etc. but, um, they always bring it back. And, and even if the, the digressions aren't the things I'm into, um, they are, um, you can tell that they're real fans. And, and so that to me, um, is something to recommend them. Um, speaking of real fans, um, there's a podcast that's no longer around, but all the, all the episodes are still available and I'd recommend it. It's called Sabbath bloody podcast. Um, and it is really fucking good. Um, there's, uh, let's see, let's see the description here. A Sabbathography for the masses. Now that the end has come and gone, I've decided to put to put myself in any other willing super knots through heaven and hell. All right. It's a little corny, the description, but this guy really digs talking about Sabbath. And so, um, that's a really good one. There's one called, um, alphabetica and it's an A to Z journey through Metallica, uh, and their, and their songs. Um, great. And then I think the one that probably inspired me first, um, I've come nowhere near being as professional and engaging as they are. Um, but it's talking maiden. And of course, because you know, I'm a huge maiden fan. That's one I'd recommend a lot. But, um, these two Canadians, um, Josh and Nesbitt, um, who, um, go into deep dives on maiden albums and, um, maiden news. And they start every podcast with a recommendation of a craft beer. Um, they're just fun and, um, intelligent and well-informed. So there you have it. Five podcasts about metal, aside um, uh, from this one that I think you should be listening to. Um, and therein is um, episode 10, and therein epi- uh, ends the season. And I hope it's been enjoyable. Uh, maybe it's been infuriating. Um, once again, I would say that you can email me and the show at metalmidlifecrisis at gmail.com. Rate and review the show on iTunes. And uh, if you do email the show, by the way, let me know what city you're emailing from. All right, I'm going to be busy between now and three months from now putting together season two, and I won't reveal what it is, but I am excited about it. I'll see you then, folks.